If you look up imagination in the Bible, I'm not in the Bible, I'm sorry. If you look up imagination online, there's a lot of argument about imagination, if it's good or bad. And I'm here just as like, I want to make clear that up. There, everything is always typically good. It's just we, get to, we use it for evil. It's not neutral. Imagination is not neutral. It's there. God imagined a world with us in it, and then he created that world by his, through his imagination and his words. And uh, I think we're to do the same. So we don't want to like be freaked out or weird about our imagination or using our imagination. In fact, I think we should be using it a lot more intentionally. Now, how many of you are, have a, a big imagination? Okay. And this is the thing. We all have a big imagination. We just don't hear it very often. So something starts going wrong, and we start thinking and imagining how bad it's going to get. Oh, there's layoffs in my industry. As men, we just think these are our thoughts. I'm just like, like relating the facts. But it's really our imagination, imagining what it would be like to get let off, to not be able to get another job, to go through this season of this. We do it when our marriage, when, when our spouse comes and we realize that there's been infidelity or we realize there's a lack of love or lack of communication, we add a bunch of big, giant imagination to that. So what if every time we heard a negative as the weapon formed against us, we actually responded with a positive imagination. Oh, my gosh. I wonder what God's going to do through this. This is going to be what uh, I'm, this is, I'm so curious as to how God's going to redeem this. What if we thought that way? What if we knew the Texans are playing somebody today, right? I don't know who. But what if we absolutely knew that the Texans were going to win today and they were going to go to the Super Bowl and they're going to win everything? What if we absolutely knew? First, some of you would bet money on it. All right. But what if we absolutely knew that? I mean, absolutely, we are super confident in that. Then when we're watching it, would we ever wring our hands and worry and doubt and wonder what's going to happen? Be like, no, of course not. Who cares if they're 12 or 18 or 15? Whatever they're behind, it doesn't matter. Who cares if so-and-so gets hurt? Who cares if there's bad referees? Who cares if the weather's bad? Who cares what? It doesn't matter. What matters is we already know the outcome. So we would actually be in the stands celebrating and cheering and making plans using our imagination as if they were already Super Bowl champions. And so as more than conquerors, Already assured that we have the victory belt, we have the victory crown, we have the the big victory purse. We are we've already won. We don't want to use our imagination for negative because it moves us out of where we're at. That's where worry is, and a lot of us have a habit of worry, of thinking through the worst for everything. But we don't call it worry. We call it well. That's just the truth. Well, I'm just relating the. Facts. Well, that's what I know. Well, that's my experience. And what we've been talking about in Impossible Goals is like that all those experience facts, all what you would consider truth, all are supposed to be put under the name of Jesus. All of those are supposed to be secondary to Scripture that says, No weapon formed against me shall prosper. You know, I've had a lot. A lot, not compared to other countries or other seasons, but you know we've had both my my in laws pass away in our house in the last in, in about a two year period. Put our dog to sleep. There's five boys and two girls in my family. Two of my my brothers have passed away. One two and a half years ago. 
Uh, my other brother, he's just turned 60. We're looking to put him in a nursing home probably in the next year or two because of what's happening to his body. There's a lot, but but in that in that but I can look look at that and and say I can lift that up and go. Jesus is not a healer, or Jesus is a healer sometimes, and I have no part in it, and I don't want to use, risk my imagination and be disappointed. But the thing is, I lift up Scripture, I lift up the name of Jesus, I lift up what, the commission that I have in my life higher than all of that. It doesn't mean that death doesn't speak pretty loudly. It doesn't mean that disease doesn't have a really loud voice. But I have to, I have to raise up a voice louder, not just to drown out, but to to help me. Keep focused on what God's wanting in my life for me. All right, so Ephesians 3.20. Ephesians 3.20 out of the NIV. Now to him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. Now to him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. We've gone over this a little bit in the last month in this series. But, so what power is working in us? It's not a trick. It's the power of the Holy Spirit, right? It's always the power of the Holy Spirit working within us. But this is the thing that we forget. It's definitely not our power. It's not the power of humanity. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Yet, think about if somebody's able to do something. Now, my neighbor is a good guy. He's across the street. Steve, we both mow on yards. Everybody else gets their yard mowed. Me and Steve, we both mow on yards. Steve can every week mow my yard if he wants to. He has the power, ability, and permission to do that, right? But that doesn't mean that he will do that, correct? So there's the power of the Holy Spirit working in us, but we think it's just working in us and we have no part in it. This is the thing, is the power of the Holy Spirit's working within us, but there's something our part is in it, is to speak out and to imagine, to use our mind and our words to, to activate the power of the Holy Spirit that's working within us. Have you ever met a Christian? I know you've met a Christian. Hopefully you've met some here today. Think about that. So have you ever met somebody? I've been in church. I was sharing with somebody that... Last November 2019 was 50 years. I was baptized 50 years ago at Van Nuys First Baptist Church in Southern California. I lived in the L.A. area. I was born and raised in that area for until I was 13. But have you met somebody who's been saved 10, 20, 30 years, and they're still so unforgiving, so non-generous, so bitter? You know why? Because they've never activated their mouth or their thoughts to agree with heaven, to agree with the kingdom, to use their words to bless people, to use their words to declare, to use their imagination that there's a world that I'm a part of, that just because I'm in it, it's getting better. Whoever's house I'm in, that house is going to get better because I'm there. It doesn't always know, but that's my use of my imagination. That's my space. And I might get to that a little bit today. So just because somebody's able to now, it says God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. He's able to do exceed amazing things above what we ask or think. Do you think we should be able to? We sh- that means that we are meant to ask and imagine? Or is God just doing stuff? 
God might be doing stuff, but he works among us by us, through us. And I hear this a lot. Well, I'm just waiting for God to to do what? To die again? To, to come to the Holy, send the Holy Spirit again? To send his word again? To speak over you again? What are we waiting for? We're called to step into a place of unknown, a place of impossibility, a place we've never experienced. If, you're, if, you, if you deal with a lot of anger, there's actually a space... An impossible space, because it's impossible because you've never been there. There's a space to step into peace, where anger is redeemed, where the passion that would come from anger and the force that would come from anger, there's a space, an impossible space that you can step into and everything changes for you. Super depressed, super anxious, always worried. It seems impossible to go a week or a day or a week or a month without being tormented. That's an impossible goal. We have promises to have peace that passes understanding. We have promises that things are all working out for the glory of God. We have promises that we have the mind of Christ, which if we have the mind of Christ, we have the emotional makeup and maturity that Christ walked with. So we won't walk in. Deep-seated, deep-rooted, anger, always blowing up and stuff. There's a space to step into. Now, I thought, I mean, I picked an impossible goal. My impossible goal was to hit 185 pounds. Now, I don't know when the last time I was 185 pounds. I think it was like 1994. I've lost like 30 pounds. It's taken me like six years. But it, it's, it's that. It's that I keep having that goal. Once it's a goal, once you say, I want to start a ministry, I want to have, be a man of peace, I don't want to have anxiety, why would you ever change that goal? But our experiences begin to speak to us, and our imagination becomes, oh, I'm not a good person, so I can't have peace. Oh, I have this problem with me, so I can't have joy or love or friendship. But there's that space. That's what, that's what an impossible goal sets. It says, I'm, I'm, I'm either in captivity in Egypt... Or I've been wandering in the desert, but I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm right here close to this boundary line. I want to step into my promised life. And in my promised life, I have a happy marriage, not just 34 years of marriage. In my promised life, I have great connection with my children. And even when I don't, I have a 30-year-old, so there's times, you know, when they turn like 13... There's times or seasons and they go to clear seasons. They become smarter than you and it's irritating to you and you still treat them the same way and all of that. But, but I had, in my promised life, there is really good connection. There's vacation with my, my, my son and his wife. There's vacation with my 13 year old. And when she becomes 25 or 30, there's that peace and that joy. There's increasingly good communication in my marriage. And I want to step into that. But if all I can say is use my imagination with, wow, we're bad at communicating. You think one of us would have got it after 34 years. But there's that impossible space you step into. It's no different to say, I want to no longer deal with anger and be a man of anger or a woman of anger. It's, it's the exact same thing to say, I want to be 185 pounds or I want to be financially uh, Free. I don't want to be a slave to debt anymore. It's the same thing. It's impossible because you haven't lived it before. You haven't done it before. No, I have been 185 pounds, but I've never had to lose the last 20 pounds after losing 30 pounds. And I, and I tell myself all the time I can't do it. In fact, about 
three or four years ago, I was telling Stevie, I just can't lose weight. I've all, you know, I carry my weight well. I've always been this. I've always been that. He goes, that's not even true. You know how offensive that felt in my head with somebody telling me I can't lose weight when I've tried to lose weight all year? I'm coming to a new year, and I should move my marker somewhere. I should, I should move my marker and not have that impossible dream anymore. But using your words declaring over yourself, I am. Not, not I might, maybe I will be, one day. We've talked about this before, but when you say, my peace will come when I die and go to heaven... Right? Because we have that mentality sometimes, right? What you're saying is, my death is more powerful than the death of Jesus. The death of Jesus is what brings peace into your life, into your world, not your death. It's the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. So what determines the level of the power working within us? I think it's how we think and how we speak. How we think and how we speak. And think about... The upgrade in technology where we can spend almost all of our day listening to what other people think and hearing other people speak. Do you think that the, as much as we're into talk radio, whether it's politics or sports or finances or just stories and TV and Netflix show whole and, and, and being able to read all the time and having people text you telling you what they think about everything. And we can go on Facebook and they can tell us what they think about everything. And we're always hearing. Do you think that maybe... What we think and what we imagine is being determined much more by the people around us than by the Holy Spirit speaking to us? I think so. And I'm a Facebook guy. I'm a Netflix guy. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying that that if we want to see the power of God working more and more in us, if we want to see more and more things that for us seem impossible to happen, then we've got to take every thought captive. We've got to begin to speak those things that feel bitter when they come out of our mouth. Now, when you're lonely and you say, Jesus is a friend that will never forsake me, it feels bitter. It can feel bitter. When you feel poor and you begin to say, I am rich, it, feels, it can feel bitter. It can feel stupid. It can feel like then, then our brain wants to go, our brain, our literal, or the muscle of our brain, not just our mind, but our mind, our, it wants to conserve energy so it goes to the sloppiest, easiest patch or fix. It goes, to the, it goes to the duct tape. Instead of fixing the leak, it goes to duct tape. Instead of going to some getting some rewiring, it goes to paper clips. All right. Instead of going to like, I'm going to rewrite a code that really works. You go to a patch code that's going to break something sometime down the road or not allow you to build on it. And what happens is, is we patch it with, well, I guess the gifts of the Holy Spirit just aren't for now. I guess the gifts of the Holy Spirit just aren't for me. I guess that I'm just going to be fearful all my life. We patch it with a wrong answer instead of we put in the answer of Jesus being there. Now, just because God's able to do something doesn't mean that God will do something. God's not on our timing. He created the system of, of the kingdom coming to earth, of the kingdom within us, of coming through you and me. Of coming through you and me. That's how he created this. And if we're waiting on God, the power of God to do something without us involved, we will be waiting a long time. Now, had a word for Lonnie. Now, Angela, I'm not, don't do anything with that word except for talk to God about it. Because the thing is, you don't, ta- you don't, you don't, you don't take that and, and then use it wrongly. What you do is you take it and use it right. You fight in the spiritual realm with that word. 
Okay, but we do have to we do risk things all the time, and it's uh, it's this idea of it's it's let us stop waiting on God to do something and act, take action like He has already done something. Let us stop waiting on God. Let's stop keep this quit quit traveling heaven without any action and believe that the last time. You fought in the heavenlies and you asked for answers and you wanted peace in your home. Start acting and taking steps like there is peace in your home. And talk like a man of peace or a woman of peace. Talk like somebody who's a prince or a princess. Talk like somebody who's more than a conqueror because it's already been given to you. It's already done. We need to walk that out. Now, I think it's a a big mistake God made. Okay? And that is that he seems to attach the work he does in the world onto his kids. Isn't that amazing? That's amazing that he does that. And he seems to attach the work he wants to do here on the world in your life. Even in your physical body, even in your depressed depressed mind, even in your relationship. He, we think it's going to be like... Wow, something amazing happened. And that does happen. But mostly, it's you living as a redeemed, restored, dynamic, experiencing God's presence person. And that, that, that's attached to your mind and your imagination and the words you speak. The word imagination is the interesting in the scripture. Because it means to exercise the mind. When's the last time you sat down and exercised your mind since you graduated college or graduated high school? And exercise your mind can mean reading scripture. And so, but it, that's, this is not the context. This is like exercise your mind where you sit there and you're like, oh, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. What does that look like? What does that look like? And your mind starts grinding and you force yourself to sit there and meditate and get something from the Lord. That's what you heard before worship started. You heard me share with you the exercise of my mind, my imagination, with my rumination, the, the meditation that comes out of that, that God is my best teacher. God is your best teacher. That doesn't mean we don't want other people to teach us and we don't want to read or anything like that. But God is our best teacher. To exercise our mind in space with, space with him is super powerful. My life has, has shifted at different points. I've stayed certain places and I've left other places. I've made different decisions based on the exercise of my mind in that moment. Not, go, not asking, what do I want to do? I mean, you start with that, but then go... And not going just, what does God want to do? But like... Combining an exercise of my mind, making my mind work for what is the Lord saying? Why is he saying it? What do I actually do at this point? So think about this. When, we, when you're asked, when you talk to him, when you imagine, and I, I think that when you imagine and you talk at the same time, that's the best relationship ever. This is how most relationships work. You talk at each other. See the rockets yesterday? See the Astros yesterday? Or, or you might have a little bit more conversation about work and it goes a little bit further. Well, did you get that done? Did you finish that? What do you think of the new boss? It's all like it's all not very much. 
And then you have communication, which gets deeper, right? Like, hey, what do you think about the Rockets' chances? Or what do you think about Coach so-and-so? Or what do you think about this scripture? But there's an even deeper set of conversation that's meant to go on between family members. All right? And it's supposed to go on between us and God. And that is this conversation of discovery and exploration. Most of the time we talk to God, we're telling him facts. We're Instead of going, God, this is what I'm thinking. Could you risk saying that about something around most people? You couldn't risk that. I read the scripture and this is what I'm thinking. You're like, oh, I can't believe you said that. That's like, that's heresy. But with God, that's our relationship. There's no rejection. There's no shame ever, ever, ever. So I have a question. Uh, oh, so, so when we ask and when we imagine we should keep expanding and increasing and stretching our minds and exercising our minds. So if you get the job that you want, you should immediately be thankful. And there's thankfulness. And then there's, God, what's my next job? You say, well, I, I just need enough money for this. And that might be a, the, the first step for you. But then say, God, where's my abundance where I get to give to people? God, I want, I, want to be, I want to be healed of this. But what about all the aches and pains in your body that it brought to you because of worry and depression and of, of negative thinking? I want the fullness. There's always more. There's always something more. Abundance, the, uh, the abundant life, the salvation that Sozo brings us is more and more and more and more. Not... I learned something, I'm going to build a camp around it, I'm going to protect my belief here, and I don't want anybody to bother me in this belief, and I'm trying to teach everybody out of that old belief. It's a continued relationship with them. So when we ask or imagine, we request, we stretch our minds, then, then at that time, according to the power that works within us, which is the Holy Spirit, He does infinitely more. But He does infinitely more through... It, it, it kind of like the initiating of our minds. At, it, it, we're responding to him when we imagine and when we speak. We're responding to what we're seeing him do. And then he responds in a different way. And then when he responds and he begins to do something beyond what we can imagine in us, then that always demands new action. And that's where, as charismatic, spirit-filled revivalists, we get it super wrong. We've gone and we've had shaking revivals and presence-based revival. We've got the best preaching ever now. We've got the best music ever now. You can feel really good when somebody teaches you about your emotions, how much God loves you and your identity. But then you go away and then that, like 24 hours later, it's all seeped away. Because you're supposed to act. We are, we are called to act upon everything we know. Everything we're experiencing from him, we begin to act that out and we begin to risk it. So the question is, and the answer is yes. I want to tell you this already, so don't shout out no. Does God limit himself to stay at the level of what you ask or imagine? Does God limit what he's going to do in your life to the level of what you ask and imagine? I think he does. I really do. And that's a little bit difficult because I, 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 I've been around and I've been in ministry for 30 years now. Get a lot of good Christians that come in and they say, this is all I'm doing. I'm doing everything right. But. Their language isn't lining up with what they say they believe, and their actions aren't lining up with what they say they believe. Our words and our action, our imagination. So what they're saying is, I got a list of rules. I'm abiding by these rules, and my wife still isn't submitting to me. I've got these seven things here. I'm doing these, but I'm not any more prosperous than I have been before. 
There's a heart thing missing. There's something missing. So if you want to see God work through you, if you want to see God work through you, in you and through you, your words, you start with your words and the thoughts that you're thinking. How does transformation come about? It says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Take every thought captive. Be transformed by renewing of your mind. You're going to have to wait till later. That's all right. You're like busting out of your seat. Just wait till later. Because I'm, I'm already going over here. And um, I got to ask this. So, um, which I do love that. So, so God, I think that's what we've missed with God partners with us. So a lot of intercess- intercessory prayer is great. But what do a lot of intercessors do? They sit and they well and they groan and they grieve without then going and doing something. And we've had a correction that in the last 15 years or so. A lot of times prophets, they prophesy a bunch of stuff, but they wouldn't move a chair for you for anything. You know, Herman's prophetic and he's cooked us all breakfast for like eight years in a row. Well, Barbara has, but Herman's done all, all that work. Herm, I mean, so we, we, we do, we, it's, our, it's our action that we do. There's so much in our imagination and our actions. Your imagination and your action, I'm sorry, your imagination and your words will determine so much of the power of God in your life. It will determine the presence of God. Even when we come in and we pray, we shouldn't come in and go, God, God, I hope you move this morning. I hope you speak. That's, that's the wrong use of our words based on a, he might not be here. He might not be speaking. Instead, hey, I'm going to be there. He's going to be speaking. I'm going to be there. The Holy Spirit's going to be there. I'm going to show up. He's going to show up. And if there's one more believer, then it's going to be even better. If there's two more believers, it's going to be even better than that. But it's based on, it's based on a lot on our thoughts I'm going to use thoughts, beliefs, and imaginations. They're all three kind of separated, but we can stack them together because they're all with our mind. And our words and our thoughts and our words access something of this Holy Spirit to come through us. I mean in every way, in how you talk at work, in how you talk in your home, in how you lay your head down at night. I don't mean just in spiritual gift ways. And so when we see that, those are the things that we can control and go after as our words. It's our job to take every thought captive. It's not God's job. It's our job to speak blessing and declare scripture for people. It's not God's job. It's our job to imagine. It's not God's job. Those are, those are three things that we can do strategically. And I, next week, I'm going to probably jump on to how we can take habits like you would to try to lose weight or to stick on a budget. How we can take habits to actually train ourselves to imagine according to God's heart, to speak according to God's heart, and to take those thoughts captive and how to do some of that stuff in a, in a more practical level. Just go ahead and stand. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to close this right here, and I'm going to stay right here. We're going to close, we're gonna, and, and then Joe's going to ask me his question. You can stay or not after that. You can listen or be engaged in that or not. So just... Hold somebody's hand or touch somebody next to you and just just bless them again.
I just declare over you that you are enough, that there's nothing wrong with you. I declare over you that you're created in God's image. I declare over thee that you think like God. I declare over you that you that you dream like God. I declare over you that you speak like God. I declare over you that you have emotions like God has. Even that anger, even that tenderness that turns into depression because you're touched by by so many things, that is a God gift. That, when given to him, will be redeemed and restored and will be utilized for kingdom things. I just say in Jesus' name that you're 100% lovable. I say in Jesus' name that you can hear the Holy Spirit clearly. I say in Jesus' name, I declare, I want to make it, I want to make in no uncertain terms. I don't want you to leave confused. You can hear God. It, it, it doesn't have to be like anybody else. It can be like me with Lonnie, it can be like, like me this morning when I felt like shame was being just lowered on me like a blanket. I just say in Jesus' name, you can hear him. I say in Jesus' name, you can walk with a clear mind this week. I say in Jesus' name, you can walk without anxiety this week. I say in Jesus' name, there's a solution to every problem that you're facing. There's a solution in Jesus' name. And I say, I declare over you that you can praise in the midst of your enemies. You can praise when people come against you and attack you. You can stop, put up your hand to the enemy, say, I'm not done eating what my father's placed before me yet. I'm going to finish eating. And then, then if I'm supposed to, then I'll fight you. Otherwise, I'm just going to ignore you. So we just declare those things over each other. And we say this body, the body here, the body in Tomball, the body in the four corners area, we declare health. We declare unity. We declare peace. We declare dividing walls of religion to fall down. We declare uh, uh, strong towers of faith and belief in unity Faith and belief in your presence, faith and belief in what you want to do. In Jesus' name, we rise us up. We say amen. All right. God bless you. Don't turn that too loud in case.